very high risk investment to invest into a pre-revenue startup. You have got to have passion and enthusiasm and common sense. This company has identified a real problem and they have come up with a solution. In today's episode, we're going to spend time with Oliver Woolley. Oliver Woolley is the CEO and chairman of Investors, one of the UK's most successful and largest investment platforms. Over the last 18 years, Oliver's helped literally thousands of businesses raise billions of pounds. An unmissable episode today. So welcome back to Success is a System. I'm Mike Green. I'm going to introduce you in a moment to Oliver Woolley, who is the CEO of Investors and for nearly 19 years has been helping businesses raise funding. So there is no one more experienced than Oliver and, and I've, I've worked with him uh, in terms of some of the investments I've made. I've learned a lot from him and but even before investors Oliver has been the is the expert in residence at Imperial College London for entrepreneurship and investment and is a previous director of the Crowdfunding Association and the Business Angel Association. So firstly welcome Oliver. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. I'm blushing with that introduction. <laughs> Most appreciated. Thank you. And deservedly so. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but actually, when I invested in lots of SEIS and EIS and early stage or growth businesses, when we first met, which in and of itself is probably 10 years ago now, um, it was because someone at Coots Bank recommended me to you. So you're in high esteem in terms of I said, I've got some cash, I want to invest in businesses, but I want to know where best to go. And they said, investors is the place to go. And as you know, I invested in several businesses through you guys and saw some great returns uh, because of that. Um, but what I was conscious of is I've worked with a lot of businesses in the last few years. And when I was entrepreneur in residence at Alia and then at Brightfield Business Hub in Peterborough, I, I was often asked, how do we raise money? Uh, and I became aware at that point in time that less than 1% of founders ever raise high net worth or, or equity or VC funding. And part of that, I think, is um, because of the way they pitch or package or the way they don't pitch or package. And so if, if it's OK with you, I'd love to ask you a bit more about what 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 the best companies do, what makes a stand out for you uh, and so on. So firstly, in your experience, what is the biggest single mistake that a would-be um, funded business or pitch uh, business mistakes, but mistakes they make, sorry. I think the biggest mistake is that they think it's going to be easy and it's right. going to be quick. So um, we get around about 100 business plans submitted to us a, a month. And probably out of those, four to five of them will be successful in raising money. So, um, and so we, we, the biggest challenge is actually educating the market um, to help people to get fully and properly investment ready. It takes an average of 20 weeks to raise investment. Wow. And the, uh, the, the biggest reasons are probably number one, they're not investment ready and they don't really understand the obligations um, and processes of raising money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two, they may not be the right company in the right to, to raise money. Um, thirdly, they may have 
huge valuation expectations. Yeah. And yeah. they think their private unquoted company is worth £10 million when they haven't actually managed to sell anything. So um, there's plenty of capital and money out there for the right companies. Yeah. And so what we're passionate about is trying to educate um, the entrepreneur um, as well as the investor so that we can get better deals done. Great. So there's loads in there. And if I can unpick uh, a little bit of that, um, firstly, in terms of you talk about 100 businesses of which four or five will successfully get funding. But even that 100, I assume, has gone through a filtering process before you even get to see the business plan, is it? Or is, is it an open gateway that you allow anyone to send out? It's an open gateway, but we get 100. I think we get an average at the moment of 112 uh, submissions which is free to register um, to look on a, to register on, on our platform. So we get a, an average of 112. I probably get another 50 to 100 emails just with yeah, sort yeah. of general inquiries, only because I've been doing this for way too long. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all exciting, fantastic. I mean, a lot of them are very, very exciting. Some of them have left it a bit too late and they're already in a little bit of trouble and right, actually right. they probably need to be restructured rather than... Um, uh, they need financing than, rather than funding. They need financing and rescuing rather than financing. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the others are, um, as I said, they need, to, they need to make sure all their ducks are in a row before they go out. So, and, yeah. So what, one, of, one of the things that I'd, I've having learned from yourself and I, I, I done some investments with discovery investment funds and uh, and some of my own direct uh, investments and and something and one of the things i go to pains with and 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 you said at the time is helping uh, a would-be uh, entrepreneur or growth company understand that the moment they get funding it's no longer their business it's our business uh, and understanding that once this person invests they're a shareholder they have rights as a shareholder depending what proportion they're investing or the shareholder agreement that's written uh, they will have negative controls uh, on what you do or don't do uh, is that sort of fairly common that they don't understand that you know once i give them some money it's part of my business too oh. absolutely the the main point there there is an alignment of interests in right. other words uh the interests of the entrepreneur meet the interests of the investor so too often we get a, uh, an entrepreneur pitching their company and all they do is they tell tell you all about the company what they're doing all their great plans and stuff like that Whereas actually, as an investor receiving that information, I'm thinking, okay, but what's in it for me as an investor? Yeah, yeah. Whether you're a private investor investing five grand to 50 grand under the EIS, or you're a fund putting, looking to put in quarter of a million to five million pounds. So it's, uh, it's saying actually, and this is the investment that um, yeah, yeah. the investment offer. This is the share price. This is the cap table. This is how much, how many shares your own. Also, having some idea as to how you're going to get give the money back and make a return to the investor. Yeah. And most and companies and when. So most companies say exit trade sale in three to five years, um, and that's what they put in their business plan. The biggest complaints we get from our investors is that 
first of all, they put the money in and then they hear nothing back really from the entrepreneur yeah, yeah. until they've run out of money and want more money. Secondly, that it's a very illiquid asset class. In other words, if I'm an investor and I'm putting in £25,000 into a business, I can't then, it's not like putting something into a stock exchange or listed exchange. Um, it's going to be stuck there until you exit. It's not going to be yeah. three to five years. It's more likely to be nine to 12 years. So it's a very long yeah, window. Yeah, yeah. And um, so most investments go bust. Sadly. Yes, no, and that's why we need SEIS and EIS to protect us as investors, and uh, and that comes with its own challenges in the sense that too many startups price the value of the SEIS EIS into their valuation, and you think, no, no, that's my protection, that's not your sort of benefit for you to take as such. But so a hundred drop in, four four to five go through, but in that process, I know because I've been to many of your pitch days, you have to spend quite a lot of time teaching them that, as you said, often they're talking about they'll say things like we're the new Facebook or we're the, we're the new Red Bull or Coca-Cola or something. And they've got these kind of it actually puts investors off. It always used to put me off because I think, no, you're not a new Facebook. You're like this. You may have the potential to be, but you're a long, long way away. Um, so they might say that. But secondly, they think I'm going to buy into their passion for their product, which I want to see that passion. But as you quite rightly said, what I'm really thinking is, have you got a good team? Have you got a market? Have you proven your product? Have you proven a price point? And, uh, and is the valuation anything like real? And so how long does it normally take you from seeing a business plan thinking this has got some legs through to preparing and mentoring and training them through to the pitch day? Well, it's a very good question. First of all, out of the, let's say it's 100 because it's an easy number, probably 80% of those are pre-revenue startups. And yeah. it's just very difficult and very high risk to um uh it's very high risk investment for for an investor to invest into a pre-revenue startup so um we work very only with a very few pre-revenue startups um and typically pre-revenue startups should be raising 100 to 500 thousand pounds under the eis and a bit of uh seis and a bit of eis yeah yeah the average pre-money valuation is probably around about three quarters of a million pounds. So if they come saying, actually, we were a pre-revenue startup looking to raise two million yeah, yeah. at a yeah. 10 million valuation, uh, we'll say, well, actually, that's not even in the right ballpark. Yeah, yeah. They then have to actually work out, well, where is that? Let's say they're looking on average to raise 250,000 pounds, which is probably a, a fair enough figure for a pre-revenue startup. That needs to get them to a demonstrable ne next level. Also, they should really look to their own communities through LinkedIn and various other things to say, actually, let's try and they may not have an old school network or something like that. But if they're operating in a certain sector, it's actually engaging with that community and actually asking various people for advice. And you never know, they may put some money in, but it's very high risk. And only two to five percent of pre-revenue startups are successful in raising money. So the first thing we say is to get a little bit further down the line, yeah, if yeah. possible, to get some 
um, capital or some investment from your own, not necessarily from your own family and friends, but from an enlarged group of your own network. And no, I, think, I think that's a really important point. I mean, firstly, uh, and I've done about 35 SEICIS investments. And firstly, one of the things I'd often say to them is, if it's uh, pre-revenue, it's not a business, it's an idea. It might be an investable idea, but it's not really a business until you've got revenue. Because until you've got revenue, I don't even know if the price you're suggesting is anything like uh, right on that. And second point you said about going out to their network or their group or their wider um, connections. One of the things I always looked for, because uh, I've often said that the best thing about entrepreneurs is they see opportunity in everything. The worst thing about entrepreneurs is they see opportunity in everything and they can be really hard to focus sometimes. So when it gets tough, they get distracted or they give up quite easily because there's always another idea. So what I'm often looking for, has their gran or their mum and dad or their uncle or their brother or sister invested? How much skin have they got in the game? Because when it gets tough, or they get seduced by a new idea, I know they're more likely to look after their nan's money that she put in, or their mum and dad's money than they are mine, because I'm just a faceless investor to them in some ways. And so uh, that was always a, a really key point um, to me. And then, the, as, so as they go around that and you help them with that, I was conscious when I'd come along to those presentation days, um, that you give them, is it seven minutes with one minute uh, sort of to wrap up if, if they haven't done their pitch in seven minutes. And, and I know that that made it really hard for them. But for me as an investor, if I've got eight to listen through, and I probably know in two minutes whether I'm, it's like speed dating, whether I'm going to connect with them or not. So actually, even eight minutes, the last six can be quite painful kind of thing. But it does focus them in on, on that pitch to get the pitch that really gets to the nub of what they're after, what the valuation is, what the idea is, why they're the right team, and why you should invest in them. Is it still seven minutes? Or? Uh, well, we haven't done that for a while, actually. Um, but I think it's now three minutes uh, okay. that we do. <laughs> I like it. I like it even better. And mainly because uh, we try and treat it like a long advert. Um, and uh, the entrepreneur wants lots and lots of time I think the investor typically knows within, as you say, two to three minutes, whether or not they want to um, uh, they want to find out more. Yeah. The main thing is here, it's sort of uh, the investor, certainly in early stage companies, even more so, are investing in the management uh, and the team are so important. Yeah. So you've, you have got to have passion and enthusiasm as well as a certain degree of rigor and common sense yeah. and not yeah. shooting for the moon, um, saying, as you say, you're going to be the, the next next Facebook. Notwithstanding that, we've turned down people who have gone on to be spectacularly successful. You're not always going to get so, it right. Yeah? Um, so no one's ever going to be get it right. And we're still really, really keen and enthusiastic not to tread we tread very carefully with other people's dreams but we need to we want to try just to steer them into yeah. into actually increasing the chances of 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 raising investment well i've got so to say across across the various platforms that i invested with you guys got me much greater returns than anyone else so you know and i'm not just saying it because you're here on the way the the rigor that with which you work with them uh, and challenge them and question them ahead of them doing the advert for me 
is really valued and it can be in three minutes and I often say to some people one of the best kind of pitches that I've ever experienced albeit that it wasn't the investment pitch but I would have invested based on it was I was speaking at the um, Waldorf Astoria in New York and I'd literally had to fly in that uh, the night before I was speaking first and I said I had to shoot because I had to get back to London and uh, as I stepped off the stage grabbed my bag sort of thanks very much went to go a lady came up to me and said hi mike can i show you to um to to the taxis and i thought oh she's obviously with the organization which was a retailer called nicer she's obviously with them yeah that'd be great thank you very much um so we 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 leave the hall and and it's quite a walk and i thought i'm glad she's showing me because the the main ballroom where they were holding the conference is fifth floor so we had to go down the lift and and so on anyway we get to the lift doors open as we get as the doors shut she said Hi, by the way, my name's Rosie Jolly. I work for a company called Propercorn. And um, Cassie and Ryan, who set the business up, they're so obsessive and fanatical about great quality popcorn. And the lift's going down as we're talking, great quality popcorn. She said that even down to the fineness of the flavoring, when they first did it, they used a car spray paint to, to spray that flavoring on. Uh, and, and, and they were spraying as it was tumbling around in a cement mixer, brand new one, but obviously they moved to bigger scale. But it, we believe it creates the best popcorn you'll ever taste i know you've got a long flight here's a few bags uh, and if you think they're as good as we think they are come and see us when you're back in london doors to the lift open talk about an elevator pitch literally from the fifth floor to the ground floor that pitch was out there and it was perfect didn't need to say anymore in fact it left me wanting and to me a pitch should always it should be like a shop front in that you look and it looks so great you want to go in you want to see more uh, yeah. and you're never going to make the decision completely on a pitch anyway are you you're going to always want more so i think it's um it's more attractive to me as an investor that you've gone down to three minutes because that makes me want to come along because they can be quite painful if you've got to listen to lots of eight or nine minutes albeit they feel we just need a few more minutes we just need a few more minutes how do yeah, they I cope with three minutes though when you're grooming them into that well we sort of leave it up to them really because the other thing we found is that People have done phenomenally well-prepared um, uh, three-minute uh, pitches, and people have just thought, oh, my gosh, I don't believe them at all. What you want to have is some genuine enthusiasm and passion. The, one of the challenges is, though, is that um, selling popcorn or raising money for a popcorn brand is, an e is quite easy. If you're trying to explain some credit management software or something like that, yeah, yeah, and even in a uh, uh, even in an elevator, that's difficult to uh, to explain. But the main things we want to get across is, or we want to hear, is that this company has identified a real problem, and they have come up with a genuine solution, which is protectable and better than the competitors. And we want to see how they can um, eloquently uh, explain that. Um, and in, unless you're doing crowdfunding, which is fine and it's good for, for us for certain things, where there's no relationship between the, really, between the investor and the entrepreneur, yeah, any yeah. business angel who's going to be putting in £25,000 plus, and the average on our platform is £41,000 per investor yeah, yeah. per deal. They are going to want to get to know them a bit, 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 and sort of speak to people and develop a, a bit of a relationship. So I think that's the other misconception from a lot of entrepreneurs 
is that they produce their fantastic deck, hand it yeah. to people and sit back and wait for all the money to come flooding in. Uh, it's very time consuming and um, and you've got as and you've got to it's a journey to go on as well, isn't it? But journey. but but in, interestingly that um, you, you, you sort of say about the, the difference in different going from tech to food or something like that and harder to present sometimes. I think that's why being revenue generative is so key to investors and investors, I guess, because anyone can say I've got this idea and we're going to solve that problem. But once they're revenue generative, you know, someone's actually bought that and you can then find out what, you know, is it working, for instance, because there's always so many glitches in a pre-revenue or pre-tested product that then can kill that uh, business. Uh, and the other thing you, you, you said, is it protectable? And I guess in, in many businesses, have they really got a USP? Have they really got the IP? Or is their IP fully dependent on other platforms or systems that they're not in control of? Because that can massively dilute evaluation too, can't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's um, and it does come down a bit to valuation uh, in terms of if it's it, and valuation is very much related to risk. So the more you can de-risk your business, the higher the valuation. Right. Uh, and what we do get typically is people looking to raise too much, too high a valuation too soon. So um, the more, as you said, you can just get out of the out of the um, the development stage start getting some real customers and generating real revenue that's great now there are certain sectors whether it's medical or deep tech which are a little bit more challenging um where they need hundreds of thousands if not millions to and a couple of years probably and several years notwithstanding that there are other sources of finance as well you've got innovate uk providing grants um uh you've got uh, various other little pockets of of uh, uh, of money um but the other thing is is really is to start speaking to experts in your particular field in your particular area and as as one investor says if if people ask me for advice i'm more likely to give them money if people come yeah. straight to me for money I'll just give them some advice. So it's part of oh, building yeah. it's part of building that network of trust because ultimately it's down to trust. If you're an investor putting fifty thousand pounds into an early stage company, um, you're a minority shareholder with no rights, no liquidity, no ability to sell the shares. Uh, so you've got to trust in the management team that they are going to um recognize their duties and obligations uh, and respect the investor and the capital that they put in and stay the course and i guess, i guess for me coming down to that kind of all important um uh point on both sides is valuation now if we know if we've got a mature business that's selling um we're going to look at industry averages 3.9 times ebitda or if we can get to 8 to 10 to you know 15 20 we swam the channel and sometimes in tech it can become much more than that if it really is something that is super special but how do you approach valuation how are businesses valued and every time i invested in a business unless they'd already been um 
cultivated, trained and groomed by yourselves into that process, the valuations were always just pie in the sky. But how, where does someone in, who is a startup, you know, let's say I was a founder coming to you, how do I really get to evaluation? What are the factors that determine that? Well, there are many different valuations. In fact, in a lovely, chunky 30, 50 page guide, we've got about 10 pages on valuation and how to value uh, your business. Uh, just, uh, just to interrupt slightly, is that something that people can go on the on the investors website and download? Or? Yeah, it's free to download and free to read. And, Great. I'll make sure we put the so, link link on the podcast then for that. If you're an investor, you've got one for investors okay. as well. Fantastic. So what we what it's we almost like you knew this could be an opportunity. <laughs> Did I think never always being an entrepreneur myself, never miss out on a bit of merch. So sorry, um, back to the valuation then. I interrupted you. So the valuation, when it's early stage, um, it's probably going to be, well, it'll be under a million pounds pre-money valuation. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The challenge we have is that crowdfunding uh, and crowdfunding seeders, which are two great platforms, there's a lot of um, uh, unsophisticated investors putting money into businesses. And a lot of businesses have been successful in raising half a million pounds through the crowdfunding platforms. Then they come off and they look to raise their next half a million pounds at a higher valuation with perhaps less tax relief because all the SEIS has gone. And actually, that's when they fail because they're because the next round of investors are not going to be paying that valuation. And we see that huge drop of that value of debt. Which upsets all the initial investors. Sorry? Which also upsets all the initial investors. Well, the it upsets drop. everyone. And that's why a lot of um, companies, uh, after they've raised their crowd, their first crowdfunding platform, then then struggle or fail because they can't attract yeah. interest from further investors. The other good thing to point out is the difference between you've sort of got uh, private investors and you've got funds and VCs. Now, most VCs will only look at things, companies turning over a million pounds plus, but there are lots of regional funds, regional development funds, uh, British Business Bank investment funds, uh, co-investment funds. Uh, as I said, with regional funds, for example, there's the M3 fund, which only invests into companies on the M3 corridor. And they'll, um, be, investing, they'll be investing 200 grand to 500 grand. So there are there are lots of funds, and we work with over five hundred uh, funds, uh, and some very very key sector specific ones as well. Um, but they will be very judgmental on the valuation, and typically will be thinking. So they say to companies or companies that we suggest to them, they say, honestly, the valuation, even once we've brought them down, they said it's just you know, still way too high. Yeah, yeah. So then you get into another problem where the fund says, okay, I'll put in half a million pounds at your valuation of five million pounds, but we'll take a one and a half times exit preference. In other words, when you sell, we'll get 750 grand back first before anyone else gets any other money. So you'll you'll get into sort of more more difficult terms, but it's um uh, it's good to get a, a to get funds and VCs involved, but get further down the line as far down the line as you can. 
Yeah, no, and I agree. As as an investor, one of the things that people always said about, oh, we, we crowdfunded or something, and I said, why would you want to be part of the crowd? You want to stand out from the crowd. You don't want to be part of the crowd. And then when some of those businesses or, or early stage that I mentored went to crowdfunding, nearly all of the crowdfunding platforms say to them, well, you've got to raise 20% before we'll even go live with it. Because on the day that we go live, we want it to look like there's loads of early in interest. And I'm thinking, so hang on, you're going to charge me maybe 6% of what's raised, but I've got to raise the first 20% of that and then pay you 6% on that as as well and, and then suddenly it's, sorry mike it's the first 70 to 80 percent oh really well yeah. i mean that's probably why, why i'm investing in my, my own businesses and property a bit more these days but or if i did i'd come to someone like you who can take away so much of that risk for me by doing that and and the crowd to me is I've, well, I've never done crowdfunding. I would never do crowdfunding. And, you know, I know it has its place, as you say, but I don't want to be part of the crowd. I want to be above the crowd, standing out from the crowd and getting better returns than the crowd. Uh, yes. Uh, well, that, that is very true. And uh, what typically happens, we get around about 30 new investors registering with us a month. And the average life life cycle of a, of a new private investor is around 18 months they'll they'll look at the deals and they'll make uh three or four investments of 25 to fifty thousand pounds in the first uh six to 12 months then they might do another couple more and then after 18 months they'll think gosh actually these people most of them have missed their targets because statistically only 4% of companies which get money exceed their highly conservative sales projections. In other words, 90 plus percent miss them and then they need to have more money. And after 18 months, sadly, the investor will say, gosh, this is going to take, they're not going to exit in three to five years. It's going to take way longer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've got my tax relief, but there's no point in getting my tax relief if I'm not going to get any return. And sadly, a large percentage of those private investors then go back to doing property, even though there's no tax relief. It's a good, yeah, yeah. liquid, solid um, investment that people are not going to lose money on. Well, and part of it is you talked earlier about the importance of communication. And, you know, obviously they want to be your best friend, even your 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 business partner when you're investing early on. But then a month later, you say, how's it going? And a year later, give me an update. And it's, it's like getting blood out of a stone to find out what they're actually doing because they give you the the 1% positive spin to hide the, the challenges they're having or the fact that you invested in a management team, but they're not performing, as you said, many of them don't, and they've lost the management team. So now it's kind of half the business it was. And uh, that said, though, I mean, one of the things coming being positive on it is you can fail on 70 or 80% of your investments. And with EISSES, SEIS, you can still make amazing returns. And a lot of people don't understand that. Do, so do you spend some time with investors explaining SEIS and EIS and the way that the UK government um, incentivise investors to invest in these early stage and startups? Yes, we do. And clearly EIS and SEIS is very, very valuable. Um, but as you said, it shouldn't be the, it's not the tail that wags the dog, whatever. It's still going to be a great company with- It's still going to be a great company. So we recently asked our most active private investor, a guy called Peter, who has made 83 investments 
since 2006 and 2022. Now, he has made an average IRR of 6.7%. Now, that is because two out of his 83 have been phenomenally successful. Okay. If you take those two out, he's made an IRR of 0.8%. So it's uh, so if he hadn't had those two successes out of 83 investments, yeah. uh, it would be uh, a very poor result. So it's, um, again, we, we're trying to make people aware um, of the, the, the great challenges. So he's done, of the 83, um uh he's had how many success have uh, how many failures he's had 23 hang on let me just yeah 23 companies uh have failed and he's expecting another 20 to fail so he's expecting right. 43 out of 83 to fail um and the rest of them most of them that haven't failed have either returned their money or they've made sort of two to three yeah. times and only two have been very successful I clearly and got lucky with you guys times. then with the uh, charge master and the like um which was which was great um so but just on that so we um for, it not only is that the return but it, you said it can take nine to 12 years for most exits in the time it does take from start to exit most companies most um investors are led to believe they need one funding round and then they're off like a rocket in that nine to 12 years, how many funding rounds would they typically need, which potentially you have to follow or will dilute your original investment? Uh, it'll be three. So the, um, the, whenever as an investor, you make uh, an investment of 50,000 um, pounds, the recommendation is that you have a minimum of another 50% or a maximum of another 100%. In other words, for every 50,000 you put in, you should be following your money either 25 or further 50,000 pounds. Yeah, yeah. A minimum of 50% um, to, to follow your money. And um, uh, because you, as you rightly pointed out, clearly the earlier the stage you're investing in, the more funding rounds that you will have. But typically, uh, most of our investors are investing in early stage so they're a company which is established they're turning over 250 grand a year plus um so they're out of the blocks um and typically they will have three funding rounds hopefully towards a, a proper exit as opposed to what we call an involuntary exit which is when they sadly go into liquidation or yeah. something like that so um uh so that's a sort of a, allowance Notwithstanding that, we're still really, really keen to be enthusiastic for companies. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because as you said at the very beginning of this, you know, the small entrepreneurial innovative companies are the lifeblood of our economy. And we are the, the UK is the best place to do it. So we're really keen to encourage more entrepreneurs as well as more investors. But that's why we're trying to educate the entrepreneur and educate the investor so that we can get better deals done to benefit everyone. And on that, Oliver, if, if there was three top tips for the investors and three top tips for for the pitching companies, what, what would be your three top tips for them? So three top tips for the companies. One, just um, have a clear understanding of the of the 
of the process of raising money and how long it takes, uh, what you need to do. Yeah. Secondly, make sure that you're a company which has got the, the potential for explosive growth, i.e. you're a good um, proposition. And the third one I'd say is use your own communities. Go yeah. out, do your own communities, and it will take six months, uh, but actually build relationships through your own communities because that is the most likely place that you'll get investment. And just, just on that, before we move to investors, I, I do recall coming along to an evening where I think it was a suit that fits and they ended up getting a lot of investment from their customers because the customers had, had benefited from a great fit in suit, if you like, uh, and were, could see that that company could deliver. So they, they had a successful raise by going out to the customer base, I do believe. Right? Uh, they had a successful raise, but that was about it, sadly. Oh, like, sad. So it's never, it's never, never safe. So moving on to investors, then, what advice would you give them? Three top tips. Three top tips. Well, I'm just going to look. In your I've, book. Got I've got seven in here. I'm just trying to work out which of the okay, top three. Okay. Uh, well, actually, the top three are look at the management team and yeah. whether you can really trust them with your money. Look at the business to make sure it really is scalable and protectable and to look at the valuation to make sure that you're not overpaying and that it's a fair valuation. You don't want to squeeze the yeah. but it's just got to be, it's got to be as fair as possible to both sides. That would be my... No, that's thought. fantastic. And, I, and on that first one, one of the things I'm often talking about with mentoring is that if it's a really young management team, I'll say you really need some gray hairs of experience in your team. And if it's an old management team, I say you really need some energy of youth and tech and social media. So getting that sort of spread across a management team, I personally always look for. I don't know how important that is, but I know sometimes you have recommended someone to go onto the board to help maybe a gap that they have in that skill set or experience set within the business. Is that fair? That's fair. And in fairness, the perfect uh, result is a young, enthusiastic, dynamic, energetic team uh, supported by one or two uh, people on the board who have got the grey hairs. So ideally you want a chair and a non-exec director, both of whom come from the industry and can not only, they'll do three things. One, they'll ensure there's some sort of corporate governance there so that yeah. you're running the, the business properly. Secondly, they will um, introduce other people, open doors, whether it's investors or clients or suppliers or whatever. Thirdly, well, they'll just provide some general advice and advice, support. Yeah. Um, and just some wisdom, particularly when things go wrong and things often go wrong. And having a good board um, can help. Uh, and as long as you're honest and open with them, uh, they will help you battle through the challenging times. And it, uh, you will have, as an entrepreneur, lots of very challenging times. That's amazing. I really appreciate your time, Oliver. And just to confirm that we can get links to those two investor and company looking for investment booklets. And also you had some slides that you were pulling information from. Can we can we access that to share with any any viewers as well? Very, very happy to. Yes. And let's try and um, let's remain enthusiastic for both the entrepreneur as well as the investor so that we can uh, help UK PLC be, PLC be bigger and better. And small and new businesses are 90% of the UK's business. 
community and therefore crucially important. And we always need fresh blood, fresh energy, fresh product services and technology. Um, I'm a, a great fan of investors, which is why uh, you're the investment platform that I asked to join us today, Oliver. I had some great investment returns from you, but always felt set in safe hands along the journey, knowing you'd done the due diligence, you'd checked out the IP, uh, and you'd help them get down to what was a reasonable size pitch to us, albeit that you've reduced it even more. I look forward to coming back to that. Thanks so much for your time, Oliver. Can I just, can I yes, just say one thing? The other thing? The other thing is to try and get more diversity into this uh, into this marketplace for both entrepreneurs and investments we don't want stale male and pale people like you and i might we want people from all sorts of backgrounds more women more everyone to come in and get more involved in this um so if we can increase increase the diversity that will be a massive achievement for us all as well what an outstanding point to to end on. And uh, if, you, if you're a female entrepreneur or female business looking to pitch, I'd love you to come on my podcast and share your story with me. Uh, and maybe I can introduce you to Oliver. But it, either way, investors.com great place to go to find out the information we'll share some of that information if you've enjoyed today benefited from today do like and subscribe. And I look forward to seeing you next time on success is a system. Oh, .co .uk. Thanks. Sorry, sorry. We'll put it up anyway. Don't worry. We, we all need. Uh, much, <laughs> I'll make sure it's right on the day. But thank you very much, Oliver. Take care. See you soon. Great stuff. Bye.